Now, guys, open your Bibles, if you will, uh, to uh, Mark chapter 4. Um, guys, I may have to say this every week, but, but let me remind you that we are in a series on the parables. And parables are a unique brand of, of literature. Parables are rich in, in metaphor and metaphorical language. And, and when you read them, you, you have to kind of mentally shift gears. Um, because the words or the meaning normally in a parable lie beneath the surface of the words. So when you read this, you've got you've to look deeper. Um, guys, this is not a newspaper story. This is not a business report. This is not a magazine article. It's a parable. And things are being said in here creatively and artistically that you have to, that you have to be ready to spot. So, with, with that in mind, shift gears. And let me read you the parable of the sower contained in Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. You follow as I read the first 20 verses of Mark 4. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear... Let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And, and he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world, 
and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those who were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God, it endures forever. Guys, I've preached this parable before. I preached on this parable of the sower about 15 years ago. And when I did, back 15 years ago, I preached four separate sermons on it. I preached a sermon for each one of the soil types that are mentioned in this parable. I'm not going to do that in this series. I'm only going to preach one sermon. And the reason is, if, if I preach four sermons on every parable, we will um, we'll never get through this, um, this series on parables. So, to shorten it, I'm just going to preach one time on, on this parable. Now, guys, one of the unique things and, and, and one of the thrilling things about this parable, the parable of the sower, is that Jesus interprets it himself. Um, seeing that they were somewhat confused, he mentions that in verse 13. Do you not understand this parable? Seeing that they were confused, he, um, he sets about to explain it to them himself. He does that one other time with one other parable, uh, and we're going to look at it, Lord willing, next week. But because Jesus explains this himself... Because the metaphors that are contained in here, he explains himself. Then you and I um, are not left in the dark as to, as to what he might mean. For instance, look at verse 14. The sower sows the word. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it can't get much simpler than that. It's, it's, it's hard to miss that. The seed being sown by a sower is the word of God. You see, that's that metaphorical principle, that parabolic language. But it's interpreted for us right there. He says very clearly, the sower sows the word. So guys, we know what this seed is. Thus, a sower is anyone who scatters, sows the word of God. You know, people like, like me. But then, <laughs> notice something else in the parable. Verse 15. And these are the ones. Verse 16. And these are the ones. Verse 18. And others are the ones. Verse 20. But those were sown on the good soil are the ones. Do you, do you understand what he's saying? Jesus is talking about people here. He's not talking about agriculture. He's talking about people. Each of these soils, and there's four of them that are mentioned in the, in the text. Each of these soils represents a kind of hearer, um, 
They all hear. Look at verse 15. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear. All four of these soil types, which represent people types, all of them hear. Um, but their reactions to what they've heard is, of course, is different. I, I suppose you could say it like this. The soil type has to do with the heart type. Did you get that? The soil type is illustrative of a heart type. But ladies and gentlemen, at the end of the day, there are really only two kinds of soil. There's good soil and there's bad soil because there are only um, two kinds of possible reactions. There's, um, there's the reaction that bears fruit and then there are three other reactions mentioned, none of which bear fruit. Um, so here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to me. The kind of soil that we are really doesn't matter. Um, what matters is, does my soil, whatever kind of soil I am, having heard the word, does it produce fruit? There is only one type of soil in this parable that is called good. The other three are all bad soil. And the only difference is that the good soil produces fruit. Now, guys, with all of that in mind, um, let me ever so briefly point out some of the, the unique features, the unique characteristics of each one of these soil types, each of the four soil types that are mentioned here. The first soil type is called, um, it's called in verse um, uh, 3, I think, um, no, it's for four. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path. That's, um, that's soil type number one. It's called the path. It's describing a people who hear the word, but it, having heard it, it fails to produce even a, a, a minimal effect. Uh, you could say it like this. They hear it, but it goes in one ear and right out the other. Uh, this this kind of soil, this kind of person, um, his heart is hard and and unresponsive to um, to anything related to God's truth. You know, they, they would say something like, "Put me down for no interest," or um, or they complain about what I heard was was not relevant. 
It's, it's too deep. It's, uh, it's boring. It's not uplifting. But the point is, ladies and gentlemen, that the word never penetrates. It kind of, you know, bounces off. Now, guys, be, before I go to the soil type number two, there's something about soil type number one that you, that you really need to see before I hasten to number two. I've got to say just a little bit about the birds. The birds? What birds? Well, the, the birds are mentioned in verse 4. Uh, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed some seed along the path, the birds came and devoured it. Who are those birds? Well, guys, I, I think it would be very easy and even natural for somebody like me to interpret those birds as, as symbolizing, in, in, in kind of a general way, all of the worldly influences that are hostile to the truth. But you know what? Jesus won't let me do that. He won't let me do that because he tells us what the birds are. He tells us in the text, in verse 15, when they hear Satan... Satan comes and takes away the seed. <clears throat> you know, listen, gentlemen, the point is, I think, is that Satan is ever ready to take advantage of any kind of hardness of heart that he finds. He... Um, you know, I, I, as I was preparing, I, I found something I thought was interesting. Do you know that Jesus Christ, I mean, excuse me, that Satan was even operative in the upper room? You remember that last night that Jesus was on earth and he met with his disciples and he instituted the Lord's Supper? And do you know that, that John chapter 13, verse 27 says that, that, um, that Satan entered into him and Jesus said to him, what are you going to do? Go ahead and do it quickly. You remember that part of the story. It has to do with Judas. And, but the point is that Satan was operative in the presence of Jesus Christ in the upper room. Now, here's my point. If Satan will operate there, he will certainly operate. Here. And I want you to notice how he has access to your insides, to what you're thinking. He, um, he snatches away that stuff that he doesn't like. Guys, listen, please. Whenever there is a faithful preacher in the pulpit, and I hope you have one, you'll have to determine that. But whenever there is a faithful preacher in the pulpit, you can bet that there is a sinister devil in the pews working, working on the listeners, working Right now. Now, 
second soil type has to do with um, what is called what he calls in verses five and six the rocky soil. Um, then he then he tells you what he means in verse sixteen, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground. Um, it's um, it's a shallow kind of soil type. There's um, there's not much soil there. It's kind of a thin layer of dirt, uh, kind of spread out over some beneath it rock, uh, just dirt spread on top of rock. But this kind of person um, is not stiff arming the truth. Like I don't want anything to do with it. That's, that's not what he's doing. In fact, the the parable tells us that having heard it, he immediately springs up. And at that moment, you look at that response and you said, well, now there is some some fine spiritual goings on. But Jesus goes on to point out that that kind of response is woefully lacking in any deep interest in holy things. He says in verse 17, they have no root in themselves. No, No true faith. They have deeper interest in a lot of things, but one of them is not the gospel truth. They dabble in this stuff. They, they trifle with it. But on occasion, due to some circumstance in their lives, they, they hear some gospel truth and they, they have this sort of religious spasm. But it doesn't last. And um, he says in his interpretation, he says it's persecution and tribulation that somehow arises and just snuffs out whatever was there. You know, guys, I think I've told you this before, but years ago in my first ministry, we were in Ocala, Florida. And um, we, I, I planted a church in Ocala, Florida that's still there, by the by. And, um, but one of the things that really was um, uh, unique about that church is that we had a youth ministry. And I mean, it was hot. It was called the Thursday Nighter. And um, the Thursday Nighter met on Thursday nights. And it was pretty much confined to the summer. But in, uh, in the summertime, the Thursday Nighter was the place to be. I mean, if you were a teenager, it was hot. We, 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 kept, we couldn't find places big enough to house it. It kept getting bigger and bigger and, you know, 200 and 300 and 400 kids because it was hot. And uh, during those summers, we saw a lot of young teenage students really get excited about spiritual things. And then school started. Friday nights, football games, homecoming, and they were gone. There was, a, there was a temporary, and then something happened that was maybe hard or painful, or he calls it tribulation or persecution in here. And that brought an end to all that foolishness. And then we come to soil type number three. Um, Jesus calls it thorny ground. Um, uh, in verse, <clears throat> in verse seven, excuse me, <clears throat> it's similar to soil type number two, 
It's similar to rocky ground, at least in its initial hopeful response. But the ultimate outcome is the same. But the difference in these two soils is found in the fact of what it is that ultimately chokes the word. In soil type number two, in the rocky ground here, um, it was persecution, it was tribulation, it was something negative, it was something painful. And it was that that put an end to this religious spasm. But here, in, in, in the thorny ground here, it was not the negative. It, it was the positive. Look at verse 19. But the cares of the world... And the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. Riches and the desires for stuff that comes from riches. That's what snuffed out this hopeful beginning. That's what ultimately choked, strangled the word. You see, there's, there's two causes of ruin, but they're so, they're so different. But they have the same outcome because in both cases, in, in the rocky ground and then in the thorny ground, ultimately it produces no fruit. But what causes that strangulation is so different. One of them is negative, one of them is positive. One of them is pain and tribulation and the other is riches. You know why that is, don't you? You do. Because, um, because that stuff, it steals our hearts away from God, doesn't it? it, it it's done that to me. It, it's, um, it's attractive. It's, um, it's enjoyable. And I want to suggest to you, ladies and gentlemen, that this stuff ends up ruining far more people than does pain. For every one person that can keep their spiritual balance in the midst of prosperity, I'll show you a hundred who have faithfully endured sorrow. Riches always deceive us. They, they tell us that... They tell us that we're better than we really are. They tell us that we're safer than we really are. They tell us that our future is more secure than it really is. Riches always promises happiness and security... But that promise is never kept, is it? 
You know, guys, in the West or in the, in the Western church, like here in Germantown, one sees far more ruin brought on by this than, um, than brought on by persecution and tribulation. This kind of stuff is a much bigger strangler of the soul than is um, difficulty. At Gracie Van, for every one person that's strangled by persecution and tribulation, There's a hundred that are strangled by riches and cares and desires for other things. Gang, don't miss this. Satan doesn't care how he ruins you. He'll ruin you with a little or he'll ruin you with a lot. He'll ruin you with pain. He'll ruin you with prosperity. It doesn't matter to him. As long as you're ruined. Both of those soil types, the rocky ground and the thorny ground, what, they, what they're illustrating is the difference between conviction and conversion. Back during the days of the Thursday Nighter, there was a whole lot of those students that were, that were convicted. But, you know, school starts. And it's um, it's back to um, it's back to life as usual. It's the difference between someone who has been convicted that is only temporary, and someone who has been converted. Now, we come to this fourth soil type, and it's called the good soil. And Jesus tells us, he calls it good in, in, um, in verse 10 and verse 20, I think. Um, verse 9 and verse 20. But anyway, um, he says that the, the good soil are the ones who hear the word, just like the other three. They accept it, and they bear fruit. The only distinction that is mentioned about this soil as compared to the other three is that this soil bears fruit. Now, the amount may vary, uh, uh, he says, but fruit is the one and only evidence that that the word has been properly received. I mean, do you get that? I mean, that's pretty simple. The one piece of evidence that exists that the word once heard has been properly received is the bearing, the production of fruit. Um, Which I think begs this question. What then makes soil good? The seed, you see, finds good soil. 
The, the, the seed doesn't make good soil. The seed doesn't create good soil. The seed finds good soil. There's nothing in the seed to change bad soil into good soil. The soil didn't make itself good. Then how did it get good? Ladies and gentlemen, soil is made good by the operation of the Holy Spirit. It, it's made good by the operation of the Holy Spirit prior to the soil, to the seed's arrival. Where does a good heart come from? Where does a good heart come from? The Bible tells us, ladies and gentlemen, it tells us that very clearly. And, and, and it's just one of my favorite Old Testament passages. It's in, it, it tells us everywhere, uh, lots of places. But this is the one that I think is the most clear. It's in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, where God says, I will exchange their heart of stone and I will replace it with the heart of flesh. Guys, in theological terms, that's what's called regeneration. When God exchanges a heart of rock, a heart that's hard and encrusted and, and distracted, and he takes that one out. And um, he puts a new one in. And, and that may happen on the heels of having been convicted of my sin. Um, it may happen because uh, I'm in a particular time of pain. I've got a bad family situation. Or it may happen during any kind of circumstances. But what happened ultimately is this. In any case, the Holy Spirit has exchanged a, a hard heart, replaced it with a live one. And, and, and this is bad English, but he has reborn you. And once he has, then I hear this, and, and I'm swept away by it. I, I hear this, and it's beautiful to me. I hear it, and maybe for the first time I understand it. I hear it, and... And I accept it as truth. I hear it and I, and I embrace it. And then, I begin to bear fruit. Let me say it like this. Real faith is proved to be real faith by fruit. Or real faith is proved to be real faith by a changed life. Not all at once. It may happen in small increments. There's a new trajectory of the life. Now, guys, let me leave you with four lessons that I think we can draw from this parable. 
Lesson number one. Every preacher of the gospel is a sower of seeds. Sometimes that's done poorly, and other times it's done not so poorly. One of the responsibilities that is on me is to try to become a skillful um, a speaker, uh, to be uh, persuasive and, and interesting and compelling. But often, you know how often, I fail at that. But ladies and gentlemen, the result of the seed being heard does not depend on the ability of the sower to sow it. The result depends on the condition of the soil to receive it. Lesson number two. The seed, this, this word of the kingdom, saving Bible truth. Um, the production is in the seed. That is, the seed has contains within it a force that will inevitably and invariably produce change. Don't you love to see that in the spring? Don't you love to plant something and, and, and as soon as the soil starts getting warm, this little green thing sticks up? And you know there's going to be more of that. Because in that seed, there is a force. And that force produces change in a life. Once that seed gets in, you'll know it. And we'll see it. You know, guys, it is, um, it is awfully easy to not pay attention to this book. You know, I, I, mean, I wonder if any of you started this new year and said, you know what, I'm going to start reading my Bible some more. And here it is, the 20th day of January, and you're already out of gas. But the hope, the hope is in what is contained in that seed. No, no, no person is ever beyond the reaches of the force of what's inside that seed once it gets in. If indeed it does get in. Thirdly, Luke has a version of the parable of the sower. It's, it's found in... Um, in Luke 8, <clears throat> but he has, a, in, in, in verse 9 of our text of Mark 4, Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In Luke's version, he says this, and I thought this was really interesting. He says in Luke eight eighteen, he says, take heed, no, take care then how you hear. There is an expectation placed 
on the hearer. Um, lots of people hear, but they don't hear. Um, you see, <clears throat> there is a hearing, and then there is a hearing. And the difference is change. Good hearing produces change. And how you've heard will be seen and known. You know, guys, one of the ongoing problems in my marriage, and in, I guess in a lot of marriages, is is my wife will say things to me and, and, and I will hear and, um, you know, something will happen and, she, and I will say, well, mm, and she'll say, well, I told you about that. And, and, and then I will, you know, all of a sudden remember and I will have remembered that I heard, but I really wasn't paying attention. You know, you can get away with that or kind of get away with that in a marriage. You can't get away with that. With this. Take care. Take care then how you hear. Finally, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is the chief sower of seed. If, if I have mishandled the word, please forgive me. And then race to the sower. If, if I have grossed you out, which is certainly possible, please forgive me. And then race to the sore. If, if I've offended you, please forgive me. And then race to the sore. Don't let the failings and the flaws of this sower keep you from running to the sower. Our Father, I, I do pray that you will um, make me skillful but not for skill's sake, but for the, um, the great importance of handling this seed's sake. And I pray that you will give us ears, ears that are unclogged, ears that are keen and, and sensitive to your word. I pray that you uh, will, by the power of the Holy Spirit, create more and more people producing fruit. And Lord, if you brought, if you brought the thorny ground here, here, or the stony ground here, or even the here that is similar to a path, a hardened path, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will change them all three. That you would exchange their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Do that great work, O oh God. 
because only you can do it. Make us all, or give us all attentive ears to thee, sower, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray, amen.